All right, guys. So believe it or not, we have finally made it through the end of our first the storyline or time period or whatever you'd like to call it. Um, if we were doing comic books, this would be our first trade paperback of season two that we just completed. And uh, to peek behind the curtain, this took us more than two months by a bit to get through. <laughs> Yeah. How is everybody <laughs> feeling? <laughs> uh, my right hand is really tired. There's a lot of editing in this first session. Oh, that's what you're doing with your right hand. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a lot of cutting in this uh, in this session. That's for sure. The audio, not like anything else. <laughs> Thanks for telling us that our audio sucks, Keith. No, we always really great. love the like boost from you. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. And so yeah, there was only like four or five times when Nathan was it's, eating ice cream. Yeah, I've taken to eating lots of ice cream during recording, and I'll <laughs> scrape the, the spoon along the side of the bowl, and it'll sound something like this. Now, that sound is fine. It's when you actually scrape, and it does like the <laughs> cutting glass sound that is horrible. Nathan's like, where can I get a spoon? Yeah, right sorry. Now. All I have is a mug with ice in it. <laughs> Oh man! So, so what's made it so that there's so much uh, cutting to do in these episodes, Keith? Ah, uh, you know, like the best part about our group is also the worst part about our group, <laughs> which is that we actually enjoy each other's company, and so we're not in any rush to get through an episode, literally ever. Like we will spend way more time just screwing around with a random NPC than we will actually moving the the plot along. And when we do move the plot along, then we have to go and, like, wrestle Van Helsing back into the story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of, a Nathan lot of, over like, here avoiding the plot. Yeah, so there's a lot of that stuff that, you know, has to get cleaned up. And I mean, Look, it's all improv, too, so, you know. A very wise actor who is very well known once said, 90% of improv is garbage. <laughs> Absolute garbage. In that so case, we're just we're really looking for that 10%. <laughs> Yeah, if we have over 10%, we're doing better than some actors in Hollywood. Come on. There you go. <laughs> oh, I was going to say that explains the, that that does explain kind of like the production value of our show. <laughs> <laughs> and what the cutting room floor looks like. Yeah. No, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with the session as it came out. Like it's one of our longest sessions, but it's also really compelling. We actually have some like serious drama in the session. There's really big challenges and ideas and decisions that we had to make. And I got to be a demon beetle. Like, that was freaking dope. <laughs> what, what was your name? Ragnar? Ragnar! <laughs> Ragnar. <laughs> <laughs> it's you. I didn't know if you'd come back. <laughs> Emissary of Beelzebub. It's a politician's <laughs> Amazing. No, I, I've definitely learned from uh, doing this first uh, session group that I cannot add anything extraneous if I do not want it to take at least an hour to get through. <laughs> <laughs> Logan's like, yeah, you walk through the park. All right, here's everything that we do in this walk through the park, and it's going to take you three hours. <laughs> yeah. Don't make subplots. We will find them for you. <laughs> I actually feel like we managed to avoid probably a big plot point this time, which was finding the man with the single-breasted coat and doing anything with him, because we totally avoided him. We did, we did. And actually, you know, the the implosion of the Haven probably saved us a fair bit of time, too. Did we have the opportunity to interact with the one-breasted man? I did. I, yeah. In the very beginning, I totally messed it up 
um, because I tried to find him in an alley and I rolled poorly. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, wow. see, that is that is the first time I started to realize that I couldn't include extra things like that because I wanted it to be like a fun Easter egg, like a foreshadowing. And then as soon as I did it, I was like, crap, I'm going to spend like an hour going over this. And we I all mean, ran how many it. times was the single breasted man brought up? Have you seen yep. a man with a single A lot breast? of times. Yeah, we, we did get some good recurring. Well, good might be the wrong term, but we did get a good uh, running joke out of it. Yes, it was very fun. Yeah, I feel like. Or at least kind of at the very enigma. least a good excuse to say breast. Yeah. <laughs> Because everyone knows right. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. I I personally really loved the inclusion of a new character in the Lone Knight slash Lil Ralph. Um, <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought it was so funny to try and corral Dan and be like, please join our crew, but also can we make this real? Is this fine? Is this working? Yep. It was great. I thought Dan, uh, you're acting of like a child pretending to be a knight. So you were like a 34 year old man pretending to be a child, pretending to be a knight. <laughs> yeah, a 34 year old man pretending to be a 10 year old pretending to be a 34 year old man. <laughs> it's like I when you put really like good. a translation through Google several times. <laughs> uh, and I know we had at least one listener who the V thou's uh, got oh, man. Nerves. But I, that I'm was definitely it, in that in that camp, man. That drove me nuts. And I will tell you, I'm in that camp too. It was so difficult to get those wrong because I know how to speak in these and nows, and it was driving me nuts. But I, Dan's like, can I just go on I committed, the record? So. <laughs> and everyone needs to know now that I can do this. I thought it was a really hilarious character choice. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is like the secret behind it was Zoom in and Keith and Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> I can, com- yeah. We don't like it, but we committed. <laughs> Maybe we can have a subplot where Van Helsing teaches the Lone Knight how to use these and thous, and the Lone Knight can teach Van Helsing, like, what, 50s slang? Is that... <laughs> yes. Oh my god. 40s and slang. 50s. Oh. You two can swap between uh, Bible study sessions and watching the Lone Ranger together. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep, you can be my Kimosabi. I was originally thinking that it would be chaos, but... Yeah, I mean, it does make more sense. I mean, Char did try to pawn you off on Chaos and then quickly remembered that Chaos is not good with children, so. <laughs> but, if, but if we want if we want Chaos to be a Kiwasabi, then you're going to end up avoiding the plot, just like Van Helsing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Chaos will be as much as possible, sir, not appearing in this season. <laughs> nice. I know, until until Char literally dragged him in. <laughs> I, I, felt, I felt really bad after that. I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. Just but I feel like BC to Logan's point. Well, look, I feel like because Char lives in her phone and I as a person when I'm trying to like troubleshoot a situation that we're in as characters, I'm always like, well, chaos can do this. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, and then I'm like, oh no, I can't have chaos do that now. Um hello Logan. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now Shah has to get tech savvy. Yeah, we could definitely, you know, you could definitely call on chaos for things, but I will try and keep him as ancillary as possible. Yeah, look, the the lesson that I learned this time was that I could call on chaos for something, but then he will immediately come and F up whatever I'm trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was far too much fun. So when I was thinking about all this in my head, I was thinking about Gallivan songs, which is like something I frankly do a lot. 
<laughs> and there's this great song, which we dropped several times in the episodes called Off With His Shirt. Yep. And I just wanted to use that drop so bad. I begged Keith <laughs> to go to the Haven the first time so that I could use that. I could make him then later do more work and use that drop in the podcast. And can I say, I listened to the whole song then to find the best um, section of the off with his shirt woe bit. And it is eerily accurate to the situation. Like, right? <laughs> the, the compulsion, <laughs> the, the servitude, the like everything, it's all in there. There were so many Galvant songs that popped in my head. I only sung a few of them throughout the episodes, but so many popped in my head throughout this. You need to listen to episode two because I lined you up with the song when you started singing it. I heard that. <laughs> and, I, and I adjusted your um, your timing to match the singer's timing. Amazing. It was so Amazing. fun. I love those little bits of trick editing I get to do and make it sound really weird. Yeah, no, it's it's really fun what you get to do with the editing. I, I'm always impressed with, uh, with the things you manage to sneak in there. Same, well, thank same, you. same. I was actually really impressed with all the history stuff you brought into this one. Because yes. In previous ones, you know, we always have like a historical event we go to. But with this, I know you had like quotes from the congressional hearing. You had like characters that were part of the event that were probably some of our like most interacted with NPCs. Like, I don't know if we've interacted with any NPC as much as we have with Horace. Or at <laughs> least not we as well, look, Did we have any other NPC besides did. Jake Baum, who was saying, oh, yeah, like, dude course, and Baum bro and coming aboard our ship? And actually, one thing that I really appreciated, having uh, interacted with Horace so much, is the great deal of research that Logan did into what Horace Page was really like and re <laughs> replicating exactly his mannerisms. Of course, of course. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to find the uh, that sort of information on an obscure uh, 19th century politician, but yep. uh, that's how much I care about this podcast. <laughs> of course. May I say that because we spent so much time in this arc... I feel like it is the first time where I can confidently say this is the year that we were in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. True, like, true. I, I feel like before, like, I vaguely remember we did something in 1963. I think that was one of the last arcs that you did, Dan. Um, right? That was the Super Soldiers? Yes. Yep. Ah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Okay. So there's only one other one where I can say that's that, that's that year. So... You know, I feel like I'm off to a really good start on uh, kind of taking notes, except not really, because apparently none of us take notes so that we can have, yeah, you know, continuity problem. issues. I still have to do tea with yeah, Janice. tea with Janice. We know. Okay. The only I know. thing you have in your notes. I feel like there's a post-it I mean, on your desk that Jan says has three tea pages with Janice. Of notes. I, seriously, it's right here. Meet Janice for tea. Yeah, <laughs> but not what any of us were doing in any scene at the end of a recording session. Um, like I really he's playing a ten-year-old. Cool the um, the like how Horace changed to uh, like as Van Helsing was with him longer and longer. You know, like original skepticism, and then you know they surfed half naked together, and they were buddies. <laughs> and then like after Van Helsing enlightened him to you know the differences of human sexuality, there was like an even further bond that was formed. You know, and so, like, mm -hmm. that was really cool. And it was actually reflected in, like, how much persuasion or dice rolling Nathan had to do to have Van Helsing influence Paige. And that was some pretty solid GMing. Like, I thought it was really cool. 
I, I would have to say that, like, for all the crap we gave Nathan about avoiding the plot, <laughs> I feel like Nathan was the only one who actually followed through <laughs> the plot, yeah, <laughs> which was to convince Horace Page. He did a lot of work for the main goal. Yeah, we yeah. wouldn't have been able to succeed without Nathan's work. So, Even Ragnar couldn't have gotten it done. <laughs> my my goal definitely is to like make the choices that you make matter. And oh, as well, much as know. nothing that I planned came to pass, um, <laughs> I tried to make it so, you know, Nathan's spending all this time with Horace. Let's actually make that have a good payoff. Yeah. Uh, Ah, uh, so here's Logan just manipulating the plot around Nathan so that he can't escape. <laughs> like I came just in with, cage him. I came in with ideas of a lot of the NPCs, and your reactions to them forced me to shift them to become more or less antagonistic, mm, um, right. in order to just fit with the way you were treating them. Yeah, yeah. Nothing is a better example of that than our first meeting with Horace Page. Like it was, you know, we we went in instantly a little bit hostile, and then that. All got right, worse look, I know that it was my like fault. I know it was my fault. No, I, I wouldn't even say it was your fault. Like he <laughs> he had very like you know historically accurate views on gender, yeah, and like it's not like you could have reacted any other way, right? So we came in. There was hostility, and it was like shut down. Like this guy is not going to help you. And then Kidnap him. the part that I loved at the very end, the very end, Effie's like, don't worry, I'm part of the Secret Service and I'm here to help you. And he's like, okay, what? <laughs> what part of this? Every but, you know, interaction. I must have had a good role. You did, you did have a role. But like, you know, and then from then on, like the, the story changed again. And like, you know, it was just the narrative in it was, we didn't help you at all. <laughs> to make a cohesive story out of this stuff <laughs> at all except for apparently nathan but i'm really happy with the choices that you made i think they're really interesting i'm currently in the process of rewriting at least the next two arcs <laughs> to try and deal with what happens right at oh, the no. end of uh, this arc uh but i wouldn't have it any other way like uh, i really appreciate that uh, you guys had plans and carried through with them uh even if they changed a million times from beginning to end <laughs> Yeah, I I loved I loved like we're gonna go and team up with Amber and do the Havens, and then Sarah gets there and Amber is rude to her and she's like, "Nah, f it, let's just <laughs> set her on fire." We're doing like, it on ourselves. <laughs> set her on fire and douse her with soda water. Look, the petty so the petty good. conversations between Char and Amber were some of my favorite role playing moments. Yeah, it was so good. It was um, so good. I very much appreciated you humoring me with that, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> I also appreciated. Um, I felt like Effie was a real rock for me in these episodes, Sarah. I felt like uh, I could always count on you to have great interactions and just be a really steady, consistent character despite all of the chaos that was going on. Sans chaos. <laughs> I think that that's important for Effie's character, actually, because there was a point where she made a choice and said that doing things with the group and with Char is more important than, like, immediately going for her revengeance. So, revengeance. So it's good that that came through. Yeah. 
I definitely thought it did. I think that you're doing such an excellent job. And I think that Effie is honestly like one of my favorite characters time and time again. <laughs> Just like randomly, I create a loom and 3D print address. Yes. <laughs> yes. Response, character. You don't know what a 3D printer is, but your role was high enough, so it happens. <laughs> like, I've, again, again. <laughs> I've seen I TikTok. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like um, Effie is the kind of character that I need by my side now that Chaos is not there, who can kind of get up to whatever, and now Effie can get up to whatever as well. And so mm. I'm just like, oh, good, cool. My weird, crazy plans where I just want something to work can still happen. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, we have kind of a few of those. Like, Chaos, Zoo, and Effie are all kind of like that versa mm -hmm. versatile, like, I mean, Zoo hasn't used it very much. He just hits things. But, like, this was the first time that I got to use my ability to do something other than just, like, punching things hard. Like, that was awesome. Like, the fact that I was able to become a beetle and convince a man that I was a demon sent to claim, you know, his contract or whatever is the most ridiculous use of the power that Zoo has. But it worked. No, so it's fine. It's, like, one of my favorite parts that I've been able to do like the whole time we've been recording has been that part there and like what it opens up for Zoo as far as being that versatile make things happen character that I want him to be. So I don't know if we went tank. Yeah, I don't know if we went into this but when you did turn into that little um beetle, did you still have human lips? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to say for argument's sake uh i had the capability of human speech um, <laughs> so what does that mean it means well, you have a tongue nathan you always get hung lips. up on the anatomy and human of teeth. the yeah. <laughs> i think that's fine if you look really closely on the beetle it just has like zoo's mouth <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just one of those like instagram filters or, or tiktok filters <laughs> that has the eyes and the I mouth i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> uh -huh. goodness that's terrifying <laughs> I, we'll I, make this uh, up we'll have to make this up for like a tiktok ad yeah. or something <laughs> we'll um, just have like yeah just a little beetle and then me in it so yeah speaking the ragnor lines yes <laughs> i would i would definitely say that like um i i would i would like to point out that there's a huge part of the success of like this session has been in thanks to like all of the build-up that i feel like dan did in season one yeah totally like, I feel like we're getting to this point where, like, we know the characters really well. We're able to be more creative with our problem solving. And I really feel like, you know, we were coming into that, like, towards the end of the season. And it's really because, Dan, you were so patient as a DM, like, <laughs> helping helping us get better along the way and helping us, um, like, understand things better. And I know we ended season one and we were like, we want character growth. And Dan, you're like, you have to set up the characters. And then we were like, oh, yeah. And now we're, like, seeing that. So, like... Huge thanks to Dan for helping get us to, like, where we were. Yeah, and I mean, like, a lot of the stuff that happened to us in season one has, like, directly affected our choices. You look at Shah, for example, and her frustration of not being able to, like, affect change. And that came to a boil in this session, right? Like, Zuman's desire not to be violent, a whole new trouble came to the forefront in this session. But all of that was built on the actions of last season. And so it's interesting because while you're in it, you don't really see the growth. But there's no way we would have, like, that this would feel as authentic as it did if we haven't been growing as both characters and performers the whole time. And so, yeah, it's it's been a really cool ride to see. Because, like, I had to play Zuman to know that I needed to change the way that I play Zuman, right? 
and you know i zuma needed to be a part of stuff before he realized he needed to find a different way to interact with things so it's been really cool to see the payoff yeah to see the payoff from season one playing out in season two dan tell us what it was like to try and bring your character into the chaos (laughs) of this group Yeah, being being a player like, in the, in the I, chaotic. I honestly feel kind of bad. I feel like as much yeah. as we obviously love Dan, I I feel like he had a really hard time getting in. Almost like he was trying to sit at the popular kids' table at lunch. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it really it was like felt that. like that. Yes. Oh no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, so much. I really did not mean to be antagonistic. I just. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just a how. I was brought in under under those circumstances and me and the rest of the time it was I don't know I was trying to get together with the whole entire group but I don't know it was difficult being a, then you got tased yeah being a man playing a 10 year old being a man and <laughs> I, I honestly Dan I think it was exactly right because like you know if we had just let you in that would have been like the fam bringing in it, Dan but yeah. like the fact that you had to fight for it is what would have happened with a tight knit group of people who have been through a lot of stuff and like every choice you made it was so interesting to see because I can see your face which our listeners can't so I can see how you struggled with every choice that put you further from us but you made them because they were the character's choice. And so I think it ended up pretty authentic. Like, I loved Sir Tiffany chasing us through the streets of Washington, <laughs> being, I will bring you to justice! <laughs> and then later on being like, hold on, they're justice. Like, we have to help them now. I mean, uh-huh. we're not justice. We're not. We're, 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 we're weird. But like, I am vengeance. When you, when you realized and flipped sides was when it was right for you to realize and flip to our side. Like, it was actually, as much as it was difficult, I felt like it, it needed to be difficult for it to be real. Although, but it, it was how, a lot of fun. How your relationship could evolve after watching if you blow someone's head off. I'm not. Oof. Oof. Yeah, that's going to be difficult. Especially with Shah taking you under her wing and being so I mean, close to Effie. Like, that's going to be a different kind of relationship yeah. there. How How yeah. is Effie a likable character when I, on the regular, just <laughs> exterminate <laughs> chaos or eliminate chaos? Yeah. <laughs> exterminate mean, is the Daleks. <laughs> yeah, no. Effie, Effie is... A perfectly awesome and fun and lovable character until she's taken over by a one-breasted man who orders her to blow someone's head off, and then all bets are off. See, like, yeah, and like how quickly that happened made it shocking. It was so good. Oh, it was so shocking. Yeah. And the last line of an episode for last line, <laughs> that was a really good last line. What was the yeah. last line? It, it, was, it was no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Him screaming, "You blow the the policeman's head off," and they're just like, "No." nice and then it's some ridiculous outro (laughs) (laughs) i did find myself in an interesting situation uh where you sarah slash effie had been ordered to kill and you were intentionally making non-violent or (laughs) non-lethal actions and i just had to keep making you roll shoot um no matter what you told me you wanted to do and then try and parlay it into a shoot. And it felt wrong from a point of view because I was denying your agency as a character or as a player. Um, but but in order to, to mirror like the effect on your character yeah. and hopefully maybe even give you some of the pain from Effie to yeah. just not have the control, it yeah. was... Uh, 
was something that I needed See, to do. I, I really like that because it was more, it was like Effie, this is, Effie was saying, this is my intention, but the DM saying, no, you're being controlled by this guy and this is what he's making you do. So Effie, yeah, I really, I thought it came across really well that Effie's like, this is what I want to do. And then the guy controlling her is like, you're going to, sorry, you're going to shoot him because I'm controlling you now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, smart, 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 smart. Man behind the curtain. But between the one-breasted man and Amber, I realized in retrospect, there was a lot of brain control going on in this episode. Right. <laughs> um, Do you have some trauma that you need to work through, Logan? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's trauma or like something else, but uh, I don't know. It's a control I, I'll, try and, uh, I'll try and keep the brain control to a minimum in the future. <laughs> I don't know, we've got to I mean, run into Amber again. <laughs> I, I think it, I think it's really cool because like at the end of season one we learned that like Shah is really struggling with the whole like balance of you know control versus will and agency and all that and she really reacted very strongly when we had the super soldier episode so now having an old friend who has her same power but no like hesitation in using it that's a pretty legit villain to have and then someone that she cares about a whole bunch being Effie also mm -hmm. experiencing a mind control villain like it really sets Shar up for some serious growth right now because I want to see like how does Shar's power powers evolve to reflect you know her belief system because oh, exactly. she's just gonna spend the next two arcs crying <laughs> <laughs> Right, but you have a real opportunity here to be like, okay, so that's what it looks like when my power is used for evil. So ha what's it going to look like when it's used for good? And I'm excited to see that. Same. Yeah, I'm, another... I'm very excited to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I've definitely thought about like, hmm, maybe Char abandons her powers and like has Chaos soup up her phone a ton. Or maybe she like has Effie help her train to be an ultra assassin or something like that. Um, you know, hmm. That might be in the future. We'll see. I have to say that going in, I I had presented, my goal was to present all of you with temptations, uh, but I didn't uh, yes. expect a Benjamin lot of them was tempted. to go the way that they did. I didn't think I, we'd be messing with time. Like that I was not what I expected to, to happen. Or to the temptation. What did you, what did you think would happen, Logan? I would love to know what you thought would happen. Right. You know, I, I kind of expected that this would be a setup of a number of like interesting adversaries who have good points that aren't just like straight up villains, that right. they have understandable motivations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I expected I mean, to kind of tempt you all with it, but not have anyone go like, actually, we should probably do that. Um, and then as soon as we had the conversation, uh, Sarah May, you and I, as, uh, as Amber and Char, I was like, oh, this isn't going to go at all the way I expected. <laughs> uh, and then deciding to just entirely get rid of the page act uh, was not at all at all what I expected, um, which is why I'm now rewriting the next <laughs> two arcs as a minimum. <laughs> Right. Surprise. Yay. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I was I was as surprised as you are. And look, looking back to it um, and doing the editing for it, I can hear the like the struggle that we all had just figuring it out for ourselves in that conversation on the ship, you know, where Shara is trying to convince us that we need to change the timeline. And you can hear everyone's individual struggle with their character struggle. Um, and in the end, I think it's difficult because, you know, what choice would you make in this situation? And for me, I would not trust myself to actually change time, right? But 
Apparently, Zoo is a little bit more, you know, self-confident than I am. And he was all for it, right? Uh, after Shah did some convincing. And so it was without interesting powers, to see... Without powers, by the way. Without powers. <laughs> and it was interesting to see the, the choices our characters made. And I'm really excited to see the repercussions of that choice. Because we could have done way more. We could have, like, pushed the whole Havens in the timeline thing. We could have... Um, tried to change the act still to do be that. more favorable. Who knows? Yeah, but you know, we made I think almost like we're dipping our toe in time manipulation right now as a crew, like as a as a team. And it's going to be exciting to see what kind of ripples we make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's definitely intimidating, right? Uh, and and I hope that we never do anything as we're going along that it comes across as terribly insensitive. Um, and that's that's a balance that we'll have to walk. But I think mm -hmm. when you're messing with time and you have compassionate characters, this has got to come up. And uh, I I'm excited to see how you guys react to what goes on next. And uh, it's it's very exciting for me to put you in uncomfortable situations and see what happens. Ah, uh, yes. Logan's catchphrase. I love to put people <laughs> in uncomfortable situations. It's <laughs> just triggered Why? my anxiety already. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put you in an uncomfortable situation. Oh. That's how I get anxious. It's <laughs> <laughs> only a pretend too. uncomfortable situation. That's <laughs> 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 what I'm telling myself. <laughs> it's not helping. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the history because, you know, this is sort of the first of its kind that we've been involved in. Like, you know, the legislation, the anti-conflict, conflict, you know, the sort of more nuanced um, historical event, I guess, right? the page act being the like that change being the catalyst for the whole mission is a pretty like chill catalyst for what we've done <laughs> in the past you know especially the spark five episodes and it's a really interesting one because knowing that you were going to propose this choice and have these kind of adversaries you know not to say you threw us a softball because there was the whole thing of the haven and like you know protecting minorities and stuff but as far as like a thing to change you know, you threw us a, a law that could have huge effects on, on the history of the world, but at least in this moment, didn't feel huge. You know, like it wasn't like the Civil Rights Act that we were opposing. Um, so I'd love to know a bit more about your motivations for like, why this time and thing in history? So I was just because I'm weird like this. I was researching like the, the history of immigration in America and... Was this for fun or for the podcast? No, this was that was for. I mean, fun's a strong term. <laughs> Self harm's not exactly correct, <laughs> but somewhere between those two. Boredom. Yeah, we're doing it to combat boredom. Sure, we can go with that. Uh, this was the very first federal law that had any effect on immigration. Nice. Before this. America was an entirely open borders country. You could come from anywhere and you could get into America. Citizenship, not necessarily, but right. you know, you wouldn't be stopped at a border and asked for your name. You could just kind of come and go. And the, uh, the customs and such was fairly lax. And that was true up until this law. And this law, the Page Act, was really interesting as I researched it about the different forces that came into play. And honestly, a lot of them felt very familiar and concurrent. 
as mm-hmm. opposed to just like this was something silly that happened in 1875. So mm-hmm. America has a history of uh, you know, racial pre- prejudice, like basically everywhere in the world does. I don't want to make us sound too special. And at this time, there was a lot of immigrants coming from two places, Ireland and China. Those were the two like biggest places that were getting immigrants and specifically working immigrants coming to America. And anyone who's even casually aware of American history knows that uh, immigrant labor was very important for the railroad and the westward expansion as a whole. Well, the Irish had a hard time. The Chinese had a harder time. Obviously, no shared culture, no shared language. Very, very different. But there was a treaty that had been signed between the United States and China called the Burlingame Treaty. Have you done the reading, Keith? I have done some, and I'm I'm doing it a bit more um, today. I've been reading up on it a little bit, but it's it's just really interesting to see like the veil that they put in front of these like much deeper political concerns. But keep going. I think you're doing great. Yeah. So the Burlingame Treaty essentially said that the United States and China could not block general immigration between the two countries. But a lot of places in America. Uh, and a lot of people in America were getting really nervous about all these Chinese immigrants. And let me give you some of the reasons, and you can tell me if they sound familiar. Uh, one, they're going to take our jobs. They will do our work for cheaper. Mm-hmm. That came mm-hmm. up in the session, which I thought was really yep. cool. It did. Yep. Uh, two, they will replace us as a culture and take over the United States. And even three, they're better workers than we are. And that's threatening. Like all of these were things that came up in uh, in historical newspaper articles, Senate debates, things like this. And as I was reading through these, I was like, okay, these are the same things that we hear about immigration now, but they were even meaner back then. Like it was really gross. Um, let me pull up. I mean, that was before racism was slightly frowned upon. So right. And uh, yeah, and it true. makes me feel like our media has probably improved since then, even if it hasn't substantially changed. Uh, right. Here is a quote from the New York Tribune that alleges the uh, the Chinese are uncivilized, unclean, and filthy beyond all conception, lustful and sensual in their dispositions. Every female is a prostitute and of the basest order. Like that was just published wow. in the New York Tribune. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, it's really interesting that that's how they did it. And when you read the accounts of the debate at the time, uh-huh. that got added into the debates, but it was almost like an afterthought. Like the things that people were really concerned about were the uh, the labor ramifications and the displacement ramifications. Uh, and to, to put something interesting in historical context, this was not so long after we'd basically run roughshod over all of the Native Americans. Right. And we had, right, replaced the Native Americans in America with white people. I mean, like, we, we had just exactly barely done that. afraid of, right? Like, and it's that like, well, dude, we just did this to Native Americans. Now they're going to come do it to us. Like, that sort of makes sense. There's this fear. Yeah, it, it actually showed up in political cartoons at the time. Uh, an, a, uh, an Indian chief, to forgive me for the uh, colloquialism, saying uh, to a Chinese man, pale face is afraid you will do to him what he did to me. Like that was just a political cartoon of the era. Right. And it's interesting because like from the reading, what I, what I got was like, 
the the time was right like as you're saying because the issue really the heart of the issue had nothing to do with morality right the time was was ripe for them to have bigger and broader anti-immigration laws but they were hamstrung by that treaty and so you know the fact that they that they were so afraid of Chinese immigration for the reasons they were that they you know went out of their way to subvert the, the treaty rather than just blocking other immigrants and letting Chinese ones come through it just went to show just how high the fear was and I mean this is also the time where you know America is like sort of you know it's it's been formed for a little while but it's sort of getting to the point where it's becoming uh, like its own sort of big nation and the world is like seeing it on stage and when you put yourself out there at the same time that you're the most afraid of someone coming in and so the fear of foreign invasion is quite high at this time because according to america we just wrestled this country from the hands of whatever they were calling the native americans at the time and now it's ours we can't let someone else come in and take it from us you know and that fear of foreign invasion is like it's rife through western uh, civilization and it's almost always the the reason for you know the the anti-immigration laws that go too far and yet this one is is almost entirely inspired really by the economic concerns yeah Yeah. it's uh it's really wild well i think it's a little bit different because you know back then uh, there was no immigration laws for people that were maybe a little bit racist to to say (laughs) well we have to follow the laws so they had to come up with reasons to make laws so that the immigration wouldn't happen. Whereas today, I, I, I'm probably wrong. I'm sure there's a lot of people who strongly support our immigration policies as they are. They're not racist. But I sometimes I feel uh, personally that immigration policies, like staunchness for our current immigration policy is just thinly veiled racism. So I don't know. It's a little bit different. I mean, I mean, it can be for sure. I mean, look at the the policies against immigrants from the Middle East was sort of thinly veiled anti-terrorism rhetoric. You know, when there were so many like we fleeing from, yeah, there probably were some who meant ill will to America. But you know, at the same time, we have a history of you know multiple layers of reasoning behind the decision from the base of like you know whatever the original reason is up to the one that's going to be the most politically and publicly accepted. And that's sort of the the role of a politician sometimes is to like, you know, and they just like layer and layer these reasons on until they find one that society can back and then they just run with it, right? And sometimes it is like what you're saying and sometimes it's, you know, the other way around where, you know, they speak good stuff or, or, you know, unity or whatever while putting through a policy that separates, you know, children from their immigrant parents. Like there's, it's, it's so complicated, I can't even get into it, but... I mean, we we have the whole world, not just America, has a history of veiling their fear in mm-hmm. rhetoric and policy. You know? Yeah, and it's definitely the case that at the time, like that, it's the law was not an arrow in the quiver to talk about immigration. Yeah, it's it's, it's even wilder in this time period. There was no laws against prostitution in most of the United States, hmm. so being a prostitute was also totally legal and. To be fair and clear, uh, there were a lot of Chinese women who were prostitutes, but it was also one of very few occupations that were available for women at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a lot of non-Chinese women who were also prostitutes. Like it was just a common thing, especially when you got out into the West that didn't have settled family units all the time. 
regardless of what we think about like <laughs> modern politics and either of those things in this instance it's super clear that the excuses that were piled on top of the law were just the ones needed to escape culpability when making a decision in the law that violated a previously existing treaty so when it's presented to us as players and we are all very much like you shouldn't bar individual races from coming to your country like we all have very similar you know morals about this kind of thing it was really difficult to argue at all for the maintaining of the page like, <laughs> i was like let's bring in the happy hour act bro like that's way better than this act. <laughs> you know, i was i was all for that and so it was you know even though me personally i would struggle with you know altering the timeline based on my own morality this is a this was like a slam dunk like i like i want to get into this <laughs> and you know we didn't have a lot of um like we had at the very end in the Congress, we had people talking about that one senator talking about like the implications on the economy, right? And that may have affected us differently if we'd heard it earlier, but you know, it was, and we'll see what the implications are. But for us, it was racism versus righteousness, you know? Um, and maybe there's some truth to the fear that increasing immigration from people from China would negatively affect the economy. We'll find out, I guess. But like, you know, the, the, by making this law, the people who made it, Horace Page and all the rest, by making this law about morality, it became a moral choice even for us as players on whether or not to dismiss, or like to try and override the law, right? And I, I really appreciate people <laughs> got to use a demon to override morality. <laughs> I just, just want to point out that you made it sound like we're going to find out what would have really happened. No, uh, we are. We are going to find out. The, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make up the. We're going to find out what Logan thinks would really happen. If someone overturned <laughs> this act. Yeah, we're now I mean, moving into speculative fiction. As much as normal. anyone could know, we are going to find out. <laughs> this is mm, science. I don't I don't like that. <laughs> well, we have I did, a lot of faith you, we're putting in you, Logan. Yeah, and ending it with this is science, Nathan, might be a, a stretch too far. <laughs> this is it's science. wiggly wobbly, timey wimey stuff, and it always has been, okay? <laughs> <laughs> as far as like most people were aware it would have been morality was the thing, right? So I right. tried to keep it in that tone for you because only like the insiders would really understand it was about something else. You know, even Horace Page realized what it was really about. I don't, it, Horace Page's speeches from the actual debate indicated that he understood that it was just a, a pretense. Right. Like mm -hmm. he went on his, most of his speech during the debate was about economics and the white men being replaced. And then it seemed like at the end, he's like, oh crap, that's not actually what this bill's about. I need to bring it back around to prostitution. Well, it's good because he always seems shady. So... <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about what immigration became like for a Chinese women, woman when this happened. Uh, because Hell. it was not good. There was, after the passing of the Page Act, I believe the number was 50-ish women uh, from China immigrated to America the following several years. Uh, when before it was thousands a year. And what they would have to do to prove they were a woman of good repute and coming to not be a prostitute is they would have to first fill out a bunch of paperwork and meet with uh, a U.S. Uh, diplomat in China and give answers. Do you have a husband? Have you had sex with multiple men? Like very invasive stuff. Uh, and then when they got to the harbor to actually leave, they would have to answer all those same questions again. And if they answered any of them differently, 
they were sent home. Mm -hmm. And then when they were actually on the ship, that would happen again. And then when they got to port in America, that would happen again. And if at any point their answers did not all line up, it was assumed they were being brought in, uh, quote unquote assumed, they were being brought in against their will to be prostitutes and they were sent home. Uh, and that's why this is go ahead, Nathan. I was just saying, that's also why you should always have a lawyer with you because police do the same thing still. <laughs> yeah, not gonna lie, that sounds a little bit eerily similar to what I had to do to get here. Like, <laughs> I had to fill out a ton of paperwork. Oh man, they definitely thought you were a prostitute. I my love life. I had to uh, talk about my morality and my intentions. I had to do the same thing when I like got to the airport leaving Australia. The same thing when I got to the airport arriving. To it. Did we make progress? Have we made any progress? I mean, humans like, are still basically the same as they have been for a long time. Yeah, I mean, if I wasn't a native English speaker, like I would have been screwed without an attorney coming to this country. Like, there's just no way. Like, the amount of paperwork and rigmarole, and I don't want to throw shade on the states. You know, I'm happy to be here uh, and I'm, I'm loyal good. to my country. But like, the amount of hoops I had to jump through to get into this country, I mean, in comparison, having Sarah come to Australia was just like fork over the money and send us your Skype history, and we're good. Like that was all we had to do to get her over there. You know, um, and so it's interesting the kinds of roadblocks different countries set up like uh, in Australia's history when they were trying to stop Asian immigration they would have you do a test when you arrived to the country to like prove your intention and like to check your knowledge and whatever if you didn't get high enough you'd go home that all seems fine except if you came from China you'd get a a test in Italian and if you came from like you know Japan or something you might get a test in Swahili right and it wasn't just like in English when you couldn't speak English they would deliberately give you the test of the wrong country to wow. help you screw up you know what I mean? like so like it's not just America either but the level that countries will go to to enforce these things I just you know I question like is this is the amount of fear like, does it warrant the drastic things we become to overcome them? And that's one of the things this whole episode got me thinking about. And, and there's, there's interesting things that I took from this um, that parallel. One is that labor interests protecting natural labor were one of the things that pushed the Payjack into effect. Generally, I side with labor, but it's interesting to see historically labor is not always good. And, and, and secondly, uh, Mr. White, as an ultimate capitalist envoy, wanted to totally erase borders for reasons that you actually see capitalists erase today and that it allows them to freely get their human capital where they want it right. or just humans generally. It's, it's just very complex. Yeah. Well, I can definitely see like the depth of the research is is pretty intense. Was there anything that stood out to anyone else about like the the world that we were thrown into and the history that that went into it? Not even just the history, just like the detail, I guess. Sometimes it would be easier to come to terms with the world that we live in if it was a simulation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it probably is. So don't stress. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Thank you. No worries. I don't know. I feel like s some people probably correctly in in a lot of people's minds could criticize Van Helsing's choices for being inaccurate to the character, since it doesn't his choices don't really match the thinking of the time period. But I like to think of Van Helsing as a very forward-thinking, open-minded individual. Mm -hmm. That's how I defend my actions, I guess, as as playing this character that's beloved by many people. I mean, you know, they only have him in the context of a book where he stays in his own time. Like, he's experienced yeah. a ton of stuff that they don't know about. 
at this that's point. True. So you're, you you're do have fun. extra challenges than the rest of us who made up whatever crap we wanted. Yep. Sure. Yeah, but for the most part, I just ignore it and do what I want. <laughs> I feel like you've often been spiritually true to what I would imagine Van Helsing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, not always. I think you'd be much more modest than you tend to be. Yeah, that's um, true. As, as far as wearing imaginary swimsuits and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty you also, sure... He also always went into trouble and not away from the plot. So <laughs> talked uh, about how he helped a whole bunch with horace page <laughs> yeah i was helping helping right. i don't know logan is there anything else you wanted to share logan or anybody else anything else anyone else wanted to talk about i want to make sure that uh, that our audience knows that we are not our characters and the choices i make as a dm are not necessarily the choices i would make as a person um you know we make interesting choices to make an interesting story right uh and i guess my question to finish this up is where do you guys think this is going to go next I can't possibly see anything going wrong after the decisions we made at the end of the last episode. <laughs> Everything will so, go smoothly and we'll conquer the world. That's that's what we're doing, right? I'm assuming that the world will be a better place and um, Obama won't be the first non-white president. That's my Ooh, that's my guess. That's a great prediction. Guess. It's going to be a Chinese woman instead. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Honestly, I've seen enough like, you know, time travel fiction to be anxiously awaiting how this is going to kick us in the pants. And I'm excited to see that for a couple reasons. Number one, because it'll be a surprise to me, whatever you do, because I know that's how creative you are. Um, but number two, I almost want us to fail to rectify any problems that do come up. Like, I want to see how chaotic this thing can get. I really you know, want to get before... arrested by the Time Bureau. bureau. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I want... be like Loki. I want yeah. Ben to be taken from us and for us to have no, to like, no, 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 no. You went too far. You went no, too no. far, Keith. Like too Solo far. in the far. Empire, right? And we have to go and like re- release the tractor beams and rescue Beth from the heart of an imperial whatever and and bust ourselves back out again. And Zoo will be in handcuffs and it'll be great. <laughs> uh, you know, I, th- I think it's going to be good. I wouldn't give Logan any ideas. <laughs> good point. I have already discussed some of my plans with Dan, so I guess it's yeah. not fair for you to answer. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't say anything. But I am Dan excited. Blink twice if it's worse than we could ever imagine. Honestly, these are things that Logan and I have talked about previously in season one, and I'm excited for them to finally come to fruition. So yeah, we got we got yeah, some fun things. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely a lot of hard decisions have already been made and it it makes playing a lot more mind numbing. I don't know, killing. <laughs> It's uh, it makes for some hard decisions. Like I don't know what I would do in a lot of these situations, and yet I'm forced to make a decision. Hmm. Right. It's more compelling because mm-hmm. like this is the point where like you know we've established the kinds of characters we have, and now we're gonna find out what the line is where we remain true to ourselves versus betray ourselves as characters. Like what is the line mm-hmm. that we're not willing to cross? And what is the line that when we cross it changes us fundamentally? Have we just crossed it? Like, I don't know, but I'm really excited to find out. Mm -hmm. I'm just here to party. (laughs) (laughs) Says the person who got everyone into this first place. Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) No, I I echo everyone's sentiments. Very excited to see where it goes. Um, I expect myself to continue making decisions that make everyone go, are you serious? But I'll try to do so in a courteous manner. (laughs) 
And I'm really looking forward to Shar and Effie having more scenes together. Woohoo. Totally. All right. Ellie, those are some good predictions. I'm not going to say I took anything to use, but maybe I did. <laughs> <laughs> you took mine, right? Everything is going to be fine. <laughs> Definitely everything can be fine. <laughs> and uh, assuming I don't uh, utterly fail to figure out how history is supposed to unfold when there's free Chinese immigration, um, we will be back with you next time with a brand new episode and a brand new arc. 